welcome to another wonderful episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother Danny, and I'm here with my big brother Sean. Hey there, killer! <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? How are you doing? You specifically listening to this episode. We're doing good because you just chose to tune in to our show. Maybe you're on your morning commute. Maybe you're getting your steps in for the day. Maybe you're just relaxing on the couch. We at Fraternity just want to say thanks for tuning in. It may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to us. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Anyways, we're bringing you another horror classic this week. Before he went on to direct two movies for Marvel and one for DC, James Gunn directed this instant horror classic, Slither. Now, Sean, I actually have a story about Slither, if you don't mind me opening. Excellent. Go right ahead. Back when this movie came out, you liked it. I know you liked it because you had the poster for it in your apartment. Now, I was 11 years old in 2006, and mom and I would come over and visit you at your apartment from time to time. And every time I was there, I would just stare at this poster of Slither. And for some reason, it unnerved me. (laughs) And I don't know why, but the image of that larva slithering up to that bathtub about to do whatever it is they do on that unsuspecting victim sitting in the tub, just struck fear in me like no other. Now, I fully admit, I'm a gigantic pussy as a kid, and I wanted nothing to do with horror. I famously cried after seeing blood in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and told mom <laughs> to take it back to Blockbuster, while you made fun of me for it, of course. Called a sheltered life. I mean, I went to Catholic school. Whatever you want to call it. I also had this bad habit of overthinking and staring at this slither poster just let my imagination run wild in how these nasty creatures on the poster are going to kill their victim. Yeah, that has always stuck with me, and either way, 16 years later, here I am introducing this movie on our show about horror films, and what a movie it is. Well done, Danny. That's hilarious. And (laughs) unlike you... I've been a horror fanatic my whole life. But you know what I don't do anymore? I no longer follow movies when they're in their pre-production stages. Maybe it's my age. I find that, while I may wind up loving any given film, I don't need to follow it, I just need to see it. That side of the fandom just doesn't excite me anymore. For instance, take the new Batman film as an example. Sure, I saw the trailer. I wound up going to see it in the theater, and I loved it, but I didn't need to know what was going on behind the scenes, or anything like that. But you better believe, I was all over that type of shit during the years leading up to the release of The Dark Knight, though. So I guess it's me that's changed. I just feel now that there are too many movies out there that need to be watched, so I don't have the time to devote to the production of any given one of them. Even before we started doing this podcast, I devoted most of my time to watching the hundreds of thousands of movies that have slipped past me through the years. But one of the last horror films that I did follow through its production was Slither. Same goes for Hostel. In fact, they were a perfect one-two punch in the mid-2000s. I was familiar with James Gunn from his time at Troma, writing Tromeo and Juliet, and having a cameo in Citizen Toxie. 
Troma also released his mockumentary Lolly Love, which is both brilliant and hilarious. I'm not sure how well known that movie is, but I would highly recommend it to any James Gunn fans out there who may not have seen it. I was also aware of his credits in writing. He wrote Dawn of the Dead, the remake. And one day, I'm going to have a lot to say about that movie. (laughs) But what I'll say today (laughs) is it's not the writing that's the major problem there. So needless to say, I was pretty excited to see what James Gunn could do in the director's chair of a well-budgeted studio horror movie offering. And I was loving every tidbit of information and sneak peek that I could get. And I was not disappointed when I was apparently one of the very few people who actually went to see this movie in the movie theater. I was unaware that this bombed as much as it apparently did. I love this movie. It wears its influences on its sleeve, from Shivers and John Carpenter's The Thing, to the late 80s sci-fi horror comedies like Night of the Creeps and Chud 2, Bud the Chud. All while being wholly original, especially for the time that it came out. The genre could have definitely benefited from having more films like that, and it got it in Slither. I'm actually really surprised that I had never shown this movie to you before because I've always loved it. I had it on DVD as well as digital because for a time I never expected one of the boutique labels to actually release it. But of course Scream Factory eventually got around to it, and so I had to pick that up as well. And like you mentioned, I had even got the theatrical poster from a friend of mine that worked in the movie theater when it came out, so good times. Maybe not for you, but they were for me. (laughs) So why don't we jump right into Slither and see if it's as horrifying as you imagined. Right on. Well, before we start, just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. That's at Fraternity. Go over there, like our tweets, retweet us, DM us, whatever you like. We'd love to interact with you. We have an email, fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. Send us an email, questions, comments, anything at all. We'll respond to you. And we have a YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube, type in fraternity in the search bar, and you'll find our channel where we upload previous episodes of the show every Wednesday over there on YouTube. Every Wednesday, those uploads go up. And they have a little bit of a visual treat. So you have to go over there, check out what I'm talking about, and keep up to date with everything Fraternity is doing. The movie starts with a meteor hurtling towards Earth. We see it enter the atmosphere near the southeast part of the United States before we cut to Wheelsy, South Carolina, where officers of the law Bill Party and Wally sit through their boring small-town late-night detail. And just behind them, we see this meteor land in the woods. We get a cool shot of the camera whizzing through the woods before we come across the small meteor fragment. And it splits open and releases this gaseous space fart. And we can see some ooey-gooey goodness inside. And so begins Slither, Danny. Through the first bit, we're going to get some nice small-town character establishing. We meet the Mr. Pib-loving dickhead mayor, Jack McCready. We also meet a young girl named Kylie in her class. She'll become more important later on, but for now she's just surrounded by young boys who are hot for teacher. And their teacher is none other than Starla Grant, young, beautiful trophy wife of the wealthy older man, Grant Grant. And our story really begins when Grant tries to climb on top of Starla one night, 
And we really get the first person view of what it would be like to get mounted by Michael Rooker. And look, <laughs> I love you, Michael, but it isn't that hard to see why Starla wanted you to rub one out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she tells him that she isn't in the mood and doesn't just have some switch. And frustrated and disappointed, he asks her, well, when the hell are you in the mood? He then puts his pants back on and claps his boots together and informs Starla that he's going out. And Grant goes out to some dive bar that's full of the saddest and most pathetic looking people you're ever likely to see in a bar. There's this woman on the stage singing the crying game. It's probably the best worst bar singing since Marla Hooch serenaded Nelson with It Had to Be You in a league of their own. And then Grant gets approached by a woman named Brenda who was hot and ready for him back when she was 10 years old, Danny. Ooh. <laughs> We're going to learn that she's a turd girl, Danny, because Brenda and Grant go for a drunken stroll through the woods where she shows him their initials carved into a tree, and her initials are BM, and Grant can't help but compare her to shit. <laughs> you know, Michael Rooker is so good at playing characters that are, at first glance, unlikable. But they also are a little bit more layered than it seems. Because at first we're like, oh, Grant's just going to go and cheat on Starla. But he has second thoughts when he's messing around with Brenda. He's like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. It definitely adds some sympathy to his character. You're just a little turd, girl. <laughs> yeah, in that awkward silence when Grant refuses her advances, he notices the remnants of that meteor along with a slimy trail. So he follows that trail and finds this pulsating sack. And Grant does the normal thing in this situation and pokes it with a stick. I mean, that's what you do, right? And as Grant pokes and prods at this sack, it opens up and this rattling alien quill emerges and it launches itself at Grant and penetrates his chest and slithers inside of him. And Turd Girl just watches in horror as Grant collapses to the ground convulsing. And we get this awesome x-ray vision shot of Grant as we watch this quill slither through his body and entrench itself inside of his brain. Yeah, I really love that internal x-ray shot as we see it make its way up to Grant's brain and just become the host. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, and when Grant wakes up, he just silently leaves, and there's that nice touch with blood having leaked out of his eyes, ears, and nose. So Grant Grant goes home, and suddenly he's craving some meat. It's a little weird. Meat. <laughs> but things get weirder the next morning when we see him making this giant nest with leaves and trash in his basement like an animal. <laughs> Like a dog <laughs> trying to make its uh, bed comfortable. <laughs> is that just, is that not the greatest or what? <laughs> <laughs> he gets alerted by the sound of music, though, coming from upstairs, and he goes to investigate. So the crux of this story is that the alien entity that bonded with Grant is a singular entity that, much like the alien parasite in The Thing, assimilates and imitates other life forms before it basically devours and conquers whole worlds. But this being has never encountered a species with a consciousness or the vast range of emotions and the capacity for intimate bonding like human beings have. 
It's never experienced love before, but it gets a taste as Starla attempts to apologize and make a romantic gesture of peace towards Grant. Yeah, I really like this scene because it blurs the lines of what's really happening. Like, how much is Grant really aware? You know, because we see him crying and it's like, does he realize, like, he's unable to stop whatever's happening to him? Or is it the parasite? mimicking what he should be doing so yeah i really enjoy the layers of the film that go into the uh possession here yeah i think what it is is the creature has absorbed all of grant's memories and feelings so while i think it is always this host controlling it there is some grant there that's been assimilated you know right yeah you have to You can't become someone and not retain those memories and have them be a part of you. Right. And we also see it has the ability to lie as Starla questions Grant about the mark on his chest. And he's like, it's just a little bug bite. (laughs) (laughs) And then they get down to the song that this film takes quite literally. Every Woman in the World to Me by Air Supply. I also love this tiny little scene in the faculty lounge where Starla's co-worker can tell she's glowing, calls her, you little slut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She mentions how it was like Grant was discovering different parts of her body and that she senses a real change in him. And of course, the weirdness is going to escalate over the next few scenes as we see Grant purchase a truck bed full of meat. He padlocks the door to the basement. And apparently store-bought meat isn't enough, as we see Grant eventually go for some dog. Now, despite this creature taking somewhat of a liking to the human experience, it can't fight its nature. It also can't hide in plain sight like the entity in the thing, because Grant is starting to go through some physical changes. Very uncomfortable and unpleasant ones at that. We get this moment where... Grant almost attacks Starla while she takes a shower, and these space dicks emerge from Grant's chest. But he manages to fight the urges and leave the house. He tells her that he forgot something at work, and she'll have to go to deer chair without him. Yeah, some really great body horror as these tentacles emerge from Grant's chest. (laughs) They're space dicks, Danny. Space dicks, you're right. (laughs) No, tentacles is fine. Yeah, they're pretty gross though, huh? Yeah, and Grant's like, his chest is all red and bumpy, like he's really starting to transform here. For sure. So, Wheelsy is celebrating the beginning of deer hunting season, and everyone who's anyone is going to deer cheer. We've had a brief scene already that revealed Bill Party's love for Starla, who he's known all of his life. And that's really the only important thing that happens at Deer Cheer. We finally get Bill Party and Starla together for a bit while the mayor gives this asinine speech and everyone dances to some honky-tonk trash. Deer Cheer does take place at a lodge called Hen and Lauders, Danny. Oh, really? Wow. Didn't notice that. Cool. And just like James Gunn, Frank Hen and Lauder holds a special place in our hearts since Basket Case was our very first episode. Absolutely. And while Deer Cheer is going on, Grant Grant pays a visit to Turd Girl, and she's happy to see him and was worried about the events of the other night. She doesn't even mind that he's interrupting the Toxic Avenger on television. (laughs) 
So Grant, Grant, and Turd Girl forego the cheese and crackers and begin to disrobe. Nothing like cheese and crackers to get in the mood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those were Ritz, Danny. She wasn't playing. <laughs> but, yeah. Grant wastes no time waking out those chest-emerging space dicks of his. There's this excellent up-close shot of these tentacles spilling out of the hole in his chest. I love that it's spliced together with everyone dancing at deer cheer. And then we cut back to uh, Grant laying his eggs in Brenda. <laughs> yeah, the scene is pretty horrific and also a bit jiggly. <laughs> <laughs> we see Brenda or turd girl convulsing as Grant pumps her full of the space jizz. I love the look of pleasure and relief on Grant's face as he just sits there as this exchange takes place. Right, because he's been uh, struggling for a little bit here <laughs> with this pain inside of him and he needs to get it out. Oh, man. It's like, ah, uh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> when Starla returns home from Deer Chair, she delivers one of the most memorable lines from the movie after Grant startles her and we see his transformation is getting worse. He's all swollen and covered in hives with this giant hematoma growing out of the side of his head. <laughs> and Starla's like, oh my god, baby, what happened to your face? <laughs> it's just a bee sting. <laughs> Doctor says things like this happen. <laughs> How incredible is it that he convinces her that this is just a bee sting? Love is blind, as they say. Doctor gave me prescription. <laughs> <laughs> I like how hurt he is, too, by her shocked expression. He's like, baby, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then later we see Starla call Dr. Rob Zombie, MD. Did you know this was Rob Zombie on the phone? No, I didn't. Wow. A lot of Easter eggs here in this film. Oh, yeah. And she's telling him that Grant's condition is getting worse. And he's like, rock, motherfucker, rock. A motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Starla, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna dig through the ditches and burn. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. I won't blame you if you turn us off right now. But Dr. Zombie tells her that he hasn't seen Grant in over a year. And we get this great bit where Starla's driving home and we see that Wilsey has quite the missing pet problem now, right? <laughs> Just the entire bulletin board filled with missing pet signs. <laughs> <laughs> we see Grant dragging garbage bags full of rotten meat through the woods and he brings it to a shack where he has a starving Brenda chained up as she has this insatiable craving. He dumps the rotten meat in front of her. He's like, Brought you some munchies. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Oh, this is terrible, man. But she happily digs in. <laughs> I love that she's licking her lips, too. Like, oh, oh yeah, she's about to go in on some raw meat. Oh, yeah. We can barely see because this scene is pretty dark, but there's definitely some unnatural bloating already starting in her stomach. Later, we see Bill Party and Wally arrive at the Grant residence. And they inform Starla that Brenda's gone missing and people saw Grant leaving her house the night it occurred. But she tells them Grant's not home and Party asks her to have him give them a call whenever he does get in. 
So Starless suspicions peak here, and she decides to smash the lock on the basement and go see what Grant has been doing down there. From the stench alone, you would think it's unnecessary to go any further, but she wanders down into this grotesque missing pet and rotten meat factory. Yeah, we get a nice little jump scare here. Yeah, this is a gruesome sight in this basement. And Starla rushes upstairs to call party. And there's this great scene here where she's pacing back and forth between two windows when all of a sudden we see Grant outside. Just staring down at her through the window. Yeah, and now he looks even more alien. And this is actually the last time that we're going to see him where he even remotely looks human. I love the weird flesh flower sprouting from his head. (laughs) (laughs) He has these inhuman growls, and he winds up attacking Starla in the house while espousing the principles of marriage as he shows her his enlarging space dicks. Like, they're getting even bigger now. But she manages to break free. But Grant gets her in this headlock, and his arm transforms into a tentacle of sorts, and he starts to choke her out here. Luckily. Bill and some backup officers arrive and chase off the dangling, bendy-armed Grant. I can't tell you how many times I've died laughing at the sight of Grant's bendy arm bouncing off of the furniture and walls. (laughs) Yeah, I love that it's just swaying uncontrollably as he's running away. It feels like a a nod to classic monster movies, too, because it's like, here's the monster, the ugly monster running away (laughs) from society. And now we're going to cut to three days later, and Grant is still missing. He's been killing animals on farms that sit on the outskirts of town against the woods. So the cops are going to organize a posse and hit up the next likely scene. And during this police station scene, we get a cameo from Uncle Lloyd himself. Now, to some of us, a Lloyd Kaufman cameo in a James Gunn movie is as precious as a Stan Lee cameo in a Marvel film. As a trauma fan, it was such a thrill seeing him playing the sad drunk here. Great fan service because this is really a cameo where if you knew or know, then you really appreciated it. Starla convinces Bill to let her come along if they want any hope of finding Brenda. So the five officers, Starla, Mayor McCready, and two locals head for the Strutmeyer farm to hole up and wait for Grant to attack. Eventually Grant shows up. And one thing I love about this movie is just how alien Grant has truly become. Because most sci-fi is still based in relatable reality, right? Most aliens we see in movie history are bipedal or anthropomorphic. Alien settings aren't completely foreign to us. Look no further than Star Wars. They may travel to multiple planets, but they're still natural, like forest or deserts. Or more deserts. Well, lately just a lot of deserts. You might as well call that Sand Wars at this point. My point, though, is I can truly say that I have no idea how to describe or explain the Grant Grant alien to listeners. (laughs) I agree. It's really refreshing to see just a truly alien alien. I love the way Grant looks here. There's just a few tiny bits left of human anatomy left on him. You know, you can see like 
small bits of human hair on this slimy, disfigured body. Half of his teeth are sharp. He's only able to moan, no longer able to talk as spit just foams out of his mouth. He's got these uh, space dicks coming out of seemingly random parts of his body. (laughs) It's all great. Such a spectacle to look at. And it's all practical in the close-up shots, of course. Yeah, I can tell you it's slimy, it's scaly, and like you said, there's a whole bunch of space dicks. You could say that it looks reptilian, but that's still selling it short. (laughs) It's just a big ball mass of flesh, (laughs) really. Yeah. No rhyme or reason to to the design, and it's great. Yeah, it's an incredible design. And like you said, it still has Michael Rooker's face. And poor Michael Rooker is donning what has to be one of the most uncomfortable looking costumes of all time. (laughs) So hats off to him for putting himself through this for the sake of this movie. Also love how he just slowly slithers towards the cow. (laughs) (laughs) But then later when the group attacks, like he shows he has this like lightning speed at his disposal as well. (laughs) Right, right. There's also this old geezer police officer that mentions that the Grant monster looks like, it looks like something that fell off my dick in the war. <laughs> now, what war he's talking about isn't clear. Vietnam? Maybe. World War II? Possibly. The Civil War? Possible. <laughs> <laughs> Either way... What in the hell could have not just fallen off of his dick, but grown on it in the first place? Now that's a truly horrifying thought. (laughs) And during the war, no less. (laughs) Yeah, before the Grant monster showed up, we had also got some good dialogue. The mayor asks the young deputy Trevor if he and deputy Margaret have anything going on between them, and Trevor informs McCready that Margaret packs a box lunch. Great use of innuendo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great use of innuendo there. And of course, we got Party and Starla reminiscing about their childhood friendship. So some good character building all around there. Good old fun Southern dialogue here. (laughs) We then watch Grant murder that cow with one whip of the tentacle. And he's dragging it off as everyone begins to follow him into the woods. Starla calls out to him and tries to communicate with compassion and love. Things remain calm enough, despite all of the drawn guns, but as Grant attempts to leave, one of the locals tries to take matters into his own hands, and he ends up eating this nasty tentacle whip. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what kind of leprosy you got. (laughs) Just splits him in half, and you know you get that great shot where he doesn't realize what happened yet. And then slowly both halves of this dude peel away and his entrails just spill out. Oh yeah, good stuff. Especially the intestinal spillage. Because the <laughs> the split in half kill really blossomed and became really popular in the 2000s. I want to say that trend kind of kicked off with Itchy the Killer having a pretty horrible but spectacular split kill CGI death. But this one is top notch. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah after that dude splits in half the officers have no choice but to open fire and that's where we see grant has those slick moves you talked about and just shoots back into the woods 
And the posse gives chase and winds up finding the building with Brenda inside. And I love that part where Party and Wally play paper, rock, scissors to determine who's going to open the door. And Party throws paper and Wally throws rock, but changes it to scissors in a delayed manner. <laughs> Instead of challenging it, Party's like, you suck. <laughs> so Party opens this door and Brenda has gone all Violet Beauregard. Only she <laughs> has the misfortune of not being blue, which may have helped a little bit. And something tells me that's not juice in her, Danny. We didn't have one thing horrible to look at with Grant. Here's another with Brenda. <laughs> like Party says, so uh, what's going on here? I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, before long, we watch as Brenda literally tears at the seams. How horrible was that? <laughs> Oh, you knew it was coming, just bursted like a grape. <laughs> and then Brenda is just eviscerated no more. Yeah, right as Brenda rips, too, Bill notices Grant watching from the window and deduces that they've been led into a trap. And they watch in horror as Brenda explodes and hundreds of slug creatures come spilling out in all directions like a tsunami of alien slug larvae. And these things want to get into their mouths, Danny. Oh yeah, they're jumping, crawling every which way to get into everyone's mouth. Yeah, they embed themselves in a host and connect them to the hive mind controlled by the Grant monster. But we don't know that just yet, though. I really like the mix of uh, CG and practical effects here when we see these larva slugs wiggling their way into everyone's mouths. You know, you have the up-close shots where they're kind of kicking their way into people's mouths and it's obviously a real thing in the actor's mouth but then you have those great shots where the larva just completely covers mayor jack and then later starla and bill and you got this great sound design with the squeaking newly hatched babies <laughs> oh no yeah so everyone except bill starla deputy margaret and the mayor seemingly get killed once consuming the slugs and party winds up leaving to go get help while the rest of the group stays behind to do what they can for the others we then go back to the strutmeyer farm and this is where the schoolgirl kylie is reintroduced she has her nails all done up by a japanese friend i don't know danny kind of looks like some of that pokemon stuff to me <laughs> <laughs> Foreign stuff is classy if you knew something. <laughs> hey, this was a little before the Japanese takeover. Yeah, very true. Pretty trendy, right? Well, I did read that James Gunn was uh, kind of inspired by Uzumaki with this film, too. Yeah, I, I had read that also. So very interesting. Little nod to Japanese filmmaking here. <laughs> we watch Kylie take a bath with her earbuds in as her mother puts her two younger sisters to bed. The kids are reading Goosebumps, Danny. Nice touch there. <laughs> I don't know if these little girls would be reading Goosebumps, but, you know, we'll let it slide. We can see that the slugs are already reaching the farm and can't imagine that they're spreading quickly through the outskirts of town and onward. And one of these slugs gets in through the bathroom window and slithers up the side of the tub before falling in the water. So here's your scene, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's uh, exactly what I was waiting for all these years. Yeah, there's this great shot of this thing 
wriggling through the water towards Kylie between her legs. <laughs> oh no. Love it kicking its little uh tail, I guess, and swimming through the water. <laughs> it's like a little spermy. Yeah. Hey, we were all there once. <laughs> Luckily, she senses the slug in the nick of time and manages to fight it off. We do get some brief nipple, Danny, but I think they do a pretty miraculous job of hiding her skin, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had the same thought. I was like, man, we only saw one nip and that was it. There is also some slug in mouth action that some people might call suggestive. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that brief connection reveals the plot thus far to Kylie. How convenient. As well as revealing some history of this alien entity, and we see it doing its thing on a planet with dinosaurs. Unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say that dinosaur CGI sequence is better than any of the Jurassic World movies. Uh, haven't seen Jurassic World, but I'll agree with you. I haven't either, but I'm going to agree with me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you see all the dinosaurs turn into this humongous gelatinous blob, and it only serves to make us wonder what the hell the end game is here. Right. So Kylie manages to pull the slug out of her mouth and throw it against the wall, and it gets broken but still manages to slither towards her. And Kylie grabs her curling iron and puts the kibosh on that little alien slug. I love the guts just melting out of that slug when she hits it with the curling iron, just burning it and erupting it. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's great shit there. And of course, since Kylie is fresh out of the bath, she gets blood puked right on her face. It's only natural for a horror film to immediately dirty you up. <laughs> and we see that this whole house is getting invaded by the slugs. And it's already got the mom. And they even get her little sisters. And we get some nice little girl death squirms here, didn't you think? Hey, props. To them for letting the two daughters get infected the little daughters always a thumbs up for me when kids get hurt i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> it shows you got balls you got gonads okay i approve definitely and then kylie manages to get out through the window and she jumps down from the roof and she makes a beeline for her dad's truck and the slugs just continue to come after her she notices her dad stumble out onto the front porch and collapse convulsing as he too has succumbed to the slugs. And we get this great shot of her cowering in the truck as the slugs slither across the windshield and black out the scene. Yeah, I love all the shots where the slugs just cover anything and all the crawling that they do like on the house too. It's great. Back at Ground Zero we get the next twist in this alien nightmare scenario as Wally sits up and approaches Starla. And he talks to her not as Wally, but as Grant. One by one, we see all the other victims sit up and speak in a unified hive mind voice to Starla. Really great sci-fi horror shit going on here. Right. Why are you talking like Grant? Because I am Grant. <laughs> <laughs> you said marriage was a sacred bond <laughs> you swore to honor and obey me <laughs> we even get some projectile alien acid slime spitting danny yeah every uh alien trope here is used in full effect 
Yeah, Trevor launches this nasty yellow loogie at Margaret, and we get some nice trauma-esque style neck bubbling as she screams in pain. Ugh, nasty. Meanwhile, Wally is getting closer and closer to Starla, who warns him to back off as she aims a shotgun at him. He doesn't heed her warning, though, and she ends up pulling that trigger, and we get this awesome shotgun blast to Wally's face, where a solid half of his head is missing, and we see the slug squirm out of his brain and slither off. And after that, it's time for Starla and the mare to take off and run for it. And at the same time, the Strutmeyer family has also reanimated and is attempting to get in the truck and get to Kylie. But they get interrupted by Bill, and Kylie runs to party and informs him that the worms are in their brains! They're trying to trick you! <laughs> so he attempts to get himself and Kylie out of the situation, but he gets attacked by another Grant zombie. And we know it's a Grant zombie because he uses Grant's, Hey there, killer! <laughs> Yeah, I love when Kylie's family is talking to her through the car, especially the little girl sells it so well. She's like, Kylie, <laughs> it's me. Yeah, the kids are effectively creepy. <laughs> I also like when Bill Party's like, what's the matter with Yotis? And he's like, poison ivy, maybe. And the kids are like, <laughs> we're itchy. So Bill does manage to get him and Kylie to his squad car as they're approached by countless Grant zombies. Acid spit is flying through the air. We see Starla and McCready get out of the woods while being chased by Trevor and the other zombie officers. But Bill ends up hitting Trevor with his car before he can attack McCready. And Trevor ends up landing at Starla's feet. And she takes this metal signpost and just rams it through his neck and we get this great bit where bill and kylie watch starla murder trevor with these dual shocked expressions as trevor's body is twitching and mccready's like bitch is hardcore <laughs> <laughs> the foursome get in the car and drive off as the grant zombies shuffle towards them crying out for starla <laughs> starla <laughs> <laughs> so We've got a lot of crazy shit happening in this movie, right? Most definitely. So it's the perfect time for some embarrassing potty humor, Danny. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Bill manages to reach Shelby, the dispatcher on the radio, and she informs him that his mama's toilet is clogged up again because of what he did there Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he tries to put the kibosh on it, but she just says it anyway. <laughs> then he tries to explain it away, like, there's a big tree in front of her house and the roots got in the pipes. And the <laughs> she's a lot of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I love, he sells the embarrassment so well, and yeah, he's trying to explain it away, but the damage is done. Starla knows he <laughs> drops big logs, Danny. Big man, muscular man, big loss. <laughs> Trying to get a buzz, can't. Too much muscle mass. <laughs> Kylie manages to give everyone the rundown on what exactly is going on. And like McCready says, if he weren't about to shit his pants, it'd be fucking fascinating. <laughs> Next thing you know, though, the group gets back in the wheelsy, and just about the whole town has been taken over. 
And Grant has set a trap as a truck T-bones the car and knocks our heroes unconscious. When Bill comes to, he watches helplessly as the Grant zombies all pull Starla out and kidnap her. He does manage to rescue Kylie, but McCready gets abducted also. So we've got zombies now, and some of them hunt down food for breeders, which is another thing we have, which Grant uses to create more slugs. And then there's these other zombies who just join the physical collective back at Grant's house, becoming this living room-sized mass of tentacles and flesh. And there's some people in there being used as his voice so he can communicate with Starla. Bill and Kylie end up going on a little adventure back to the precinct where Bill grabs a grenade that they confiscated from some fishermen. And there's a really goofy and unnecessary scene here with Bill getting attacked by a deer that's been infected by the slugs. <laughs> I like this scene. I mean, it's a callback because he watches the deer get infected. And then here it is again. And I think it looks pretty good. The deer itself. The dark lighting helps. Yeah. It's just so left field. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, of course, something is in here. Gonna attack him. But <laughs> it's an animal. <laughs> Yeah, and Kylie rescues Bill, and we watch them wander through the chaos-filled streets of Wheel Z. And they're operating under this assumption that if they kill Grant Grant, then they'll be able to put a stop to all of this in one fell swoop. I do like when we see James Gunn getting spittled to death by a bunch of the zombies. <laughs> oh, that was James Gunn? Okay, I was like, they're just spitting on this guy relentlessly. <laughs> I never realized that was him until these viewings <laughs> but yeah because you see him at the school talking to starla early on and then you never see him again till here just screaming his guts out as they spit all over him <laughs> just no reason just like vomiting on this guy <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible oh but it's funny as hell at the end of the day though like i said earlier the crux of this story is the relationship between Grant and Starla, and this entity experiencing companionship and the full range of human emotions for the first time in its probably timeless existence, right? Right. So we see that the Grant zombies take good care of Starla. They put her down in her bed, they clean her up, wash her off, comb her hair, change her into her nightgown. And she eventually wakes up to the sound of multiple voices calling out for her. I love these touches of, like, the collective voice. Yeah, I do too. It's like, Grant himself can't express what he's feeling, so the collective has to do it for you. And I love the shots of all these people in the Grant mass, just, like, <laughs> making faces and talking, and it's great. Oh, yeah. We see a tentacle turn on the stereo and every woman in the world starts playing. Starla takes this sharp brush handle and puts it under her nightgown as she goes down to see what I guess we can call her husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that slow reveal as she's uh, looking at all the pictures of her and Grant and then we turn the corner and we just see the disgusting monster that he's become. Yeah. And she tries to talk with this being, realizing it likes being called Grant, and it's definitely still fond of her. But more importantly, it's fond of the feelings of love and being loved. But how could this ever possibly work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
there's just so much going on in this final sequence. There's tentacles everywhere. Grant is becoming this all-encompassing mass of flesh. He's kind of like the fungus among us in the Mario Brothers movie, Danny. He's everywhere. (laughs) True. The mare has been tossed into the basement with the other breeders. Kylie and Bill watch as zombies disrobe and press into the mass of Grant that's spilling out of the back door. And they slowly congeal and become part of him. (laughs) You know, as methodically as we tend to discuss the things on screen in the movies we cover, I just don't think we can do this one justice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. There is a lot going on and you kind of just owe it to yourself to watch this movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, so without trying, let's just jump right into the explosive climax of Slither. Bill and Kylie run in to save the day. There's a great bit where McCready grabs Bill, and he has a giant sack of slugs growing on his neck, and he begs for Party to kill him. And it's hilarious how little Bill has to think this over. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't hesitate at all. Starla sneaks Grant and stabs him and gets bitch slapped by a tentacle for her troubles. And just then Bill emerges, dead set upon saving the day with this grenade. And of course it gets smacked right out of his hand. He manages to find it and pick it back up, but he gets tentacle slapped right out of the house and the grenade rolls into the pool and explodes underwater. As we see Party just looking on dumbfounded and helpless. <laughs> He then gets attacked by Grant's massive space dicks, and one of them penetrates his stomach, but he manages to hold the other one off. And luckily for Bill, you can only get impregnated by the slugs if you're double penetrated. What a world. So he takes the other tentacle and hooks it to the nozzle of a propane tank. And as he gets pulled back inside with the tank, he urges Starla to shoot him. And husband and wife share one more glance before she pulls the trigger and the Grant monster explodes. Subsequently, we see all of the Grant zombies collapse and die. And our trio of survivors then start their trek towards a populated town with one hell of a story to tell. And that's the end of our movie. So Danny, did Slither live up to your ruminations on that poster all those years ago? You know, Slither was not at all the movie I imagined it to be when I was 11 years old. But I like it a lot more as what it is than what I thought it was. (laughs) Slither is a love letter to a lot of horror. It's a B-movie. It's a zombie film. It's a space invasion in every sense of the word. It's got great performances, a really tight script, really no errors at all if you ask me. It's got a wonderful blending of CGI and practical effects. It's a dishonor to hear that it didn't do well at the box office. I'm offended. Everyone should have seen this flick. But yeah, I really don't have any complaints about it. It's a really great movie. You'll have a really fun time. If you're even the least bit into horror, you will like Slither. And I like Slither. And Sean likes Slither. So that's Slither. Awesome. Yeah. I don't see how one could not like this movie. (laughs) But with that said, I think this movie offered up quite a few kills to choose from. So did you find a favorite kill in Slither, Danny? Yeah, so my favorite kill 
has got to be when that guy gets split in half by Grant, the flesh monster Grant. <laughs> Good choice. Part of the reason for picking this choice is because we talked about it before, but I really just love how Grant looks in this scene. It's right before he turns into this disgusting fleshy mass that can't even move. Here, he still has his mobility. And, you know, like we said, you just can't describe what Grant looks like. And he has this sluggish pace to him, but then he shows he's a force to be reckoned with as he just effortlessly swipes and splits this dude in half. And we see his entrails just spill out. His guts are on the floor. And I love a good human splitting in half, you know? It reminds me of Mortal Kombat. There's plenty of Mortal Kombat fatalities <laughs> that do shit like that. I think it's great for the look at Grant, and it's just a fun splitting in half kill, which does happen a lot in 2000s horror, as you said, but it's great here. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great kill. So, Sean, what's your favorite kill in Slither? Well, first, I have a few honorable mentions. Sure, go ahead. First is this very brief kill when Bill and Kylie are fighting their way into Grant's house. And Kylie shoots this dude directly under the chin. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it causes this gory, massive explosion out of the top of this guy's head. And I'm guessing she hit the slug too because it's sticky, stringy slime and blood just flying all over the place. It's beautiful. And it's so quick, you know? Yeah, it's great. I also have to give an honorable mention to the shotgun headshot on Wally, where he gets half of his face blown off. That's a pretty shocking image, and the special effects are amazing. You can't tell where the practical ends and the digital begins, you know? Yeah, it looks really good, and I love as the little larva swims out of his brain. And yeah, we love some uh, head explosions headshots on fraternity here <laughs> yeah but with all of that said my favorite kill isn't human it's a slug and let me put it this way naked teenage girl versus alien slug monster say no more i'm there i'm just there <laughs> nice you know this was uh close to being my pick awesome yeah this scene is really cool and clearly it was well-liked because it's on all of the marketing, from that poster to the DVD cover. It's a great horror sequence. Plus, we get the rare use of a curling iron, the household item made famous as a horror weapon in Sleepaway Camp. I love how she presses it down on the slug and the creature boils and the innards just spill out like you were saying. Really fantastic stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And it's like... If that weren't the cover, can you imagine what else could possibly be the cover? You know, there's nothing else it could be. Yeah, that's a great observation for sure. So how about a favorite scene, Danny? Well, my favorite scene, I'm going to call it the uh, breeding during deer cheer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I love that. The countdown to Deer Cheer serves as a literal countdown to the horror that Grant is about to inflict on Brenda. And we get Grant basically impregnating Brenda with this larva. And it's juxtaposed by this fun country song, Shine Up My Boots, 
and it just so <laughs> blends so well to create a really unique horror comedy scene. You know, we've said before, metal and horror blends perfectly. I think there's something to be said about horror and country. You know, horror always seems to find its way back to the podunk small town. You know, there's something about these laid-back people getting mixed up in horrific consequences that just works on all levels. So I really like it here. It's funny, it's fun, but it's also gruesome and disgusting. And I like these early scenes too where we're building up to the horror. And this is really where it all starts to unravel here as Grant takes his uh, first human victim. Awesome. Well said. I almost believe you picked that scene for reasons other than turd girls jiggling breasts. <laughs> no. Great choice. Well, Sean, lay it on us. Favorite scene in Slither. All right. I feel like often in horror, it's very easy to choose the finale as your favorite scene. It almost feels like a bit of a cop-out, but horror... We've done it plenty of times here right, on the show. <laughs> exactly. And the fact of the matter is, is horror is a thrill ride. And thrill rides usually save the best for last. It's just a fact. We've chosen over 30 favorite scenes in horror movies so far. And I suppose a small fraction of them are the final scenes. I guess I just feel like it is a bit cheap to do so. But how can you not choose the finale of Slither as your favorite scene? It's surely <laughs> mine, because it's just a sight to behold. So much happens. We have multiple character threads reaching their good, bad, and gruesome climaxes. The acting in Slither is really good. And even better is the special effects. And there's so many practical effects and digital effects taking place all at once. It's astounding. You can't watch this movie and not be astonished by the Grant Grant monster in its full glory here. And then, yeah, I love all of, I guess you could call them sirens, like the collective voices. Plus, it's a bunch of the small characters in this mess. You've got the woman from the karaoke scene, just her head popping out of this mass of flesh. Even the butcher is there. And as uncomfortable as this had to be for Michael Rooker, there's quite a few people putting themselves through some crazy shit to make this what it is. <laughs> and then you factor in the tentacle puppeteers and the innumerable people probably working their asses off under that floor to make this happen. Just phenomenal work all around. Bravo. I love it. Slither is great. <laughs> well said yeah i mean it's just a spectacle to watch and like we said you know we can't do it justice you gotta just you gotta go and watch slither for yourself definitely go watch slither and then next friday tune in for our last movie of april and believe it or not it's slither-esque it's not slither but there's some similar threads going on so we're looking forward to bringing it to you Another fantastic week of Fright Eternity. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. <laughs>